0: And today I'm talking about growing bigger and smaller at the same time. How many of you saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Now, if you haven't seen it, it's probably on a VHS tape in the crawl space in your house somewhere because it's not on, I don't even know. if It, and it might be, the old original one might be on uh, something online. But whatever. One of the things, Disney Plus or seems like a Disney Minus whenever I pay that bill and Um, but growing bigger and smaller at the same time. This is what we have to understand, is that that doesn't mean weaker. I'm not saying grow stronger and weaker at the same time. I'm saying grow bigger and smaller at the same time. A fully functioning version of what the big is in the small. A fully functioning version of the healthy body in a house. And and last week we had such a powerful outpouring in this place. I want to remind you of something. There's about, I, I would guess there's about 70 plus thousand people in our reach. Our, what we would call our catchment for our church. People would drive here. And as people move from Alberta, we're finding out that they'll drive farther. Because they're like, what do you mean 30 minutes? That's nothing. You know, there's a Tim Hortons every eight minutes. There's like, it's, it's super simple. And there are some of you who commute from different places. Like Victoria and I more different places. And we, we just say, way to go. Um, this is all important stuff. But when, maybe, let's say there's about 70,000 people in the catchment here. And, and if you're in a week where you have five or ten people get radically saved in a catchment of 70,000, you take bigger centers, they say, we had 50 people give their hearts to Christ, we're in revival. I would say we are in revival when we see some of the things we are seeing right now. Just on a mathematic thing. Did you know this church was started with bigger and smaller? You say, this church goes way back. No, I'm going to call the start of this church those days at NCG, when what was passed away in the church, the attitude, DNA, and all that stuff kind of like drifted off. And for about two years, we had over 200 young adults gathering at the camp on Saturday nights from all over the island to come and meet with Jesus. And in that moment, we realized we couldn't just do a, you know, it was like Metallica leading worship on Saturday nights. It was fantastic, shredding guitar solos and 10 seconds or you're going to go to hell altar calls. I might do that today. Get ready, okay? Here we go. And, and, but after a very short amount of time, we realized that there was so much being awakened in the hearts of the students that were coming and the young people that were coming that we had to start some small groups. And so we had two or three home groups that became quickly 25 young adults in my basement. And that was where people learned about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a deeper way. Do you remember those days? That's where people learned about prayer. We would pray for hours and hours and hours. We saw a man's life saved when we went on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer journey. We saw God move bigger and smaller at the same time. And that is in the DNA of this church. That is when we turned the corner and something changed for us. We went into a 10 years of Alive Inside festivals in the summertime. And somebody said, well, that was fun. I, I wish we could do that again. Do you know what that was about? It was about work. It was about God preparing us to work as a team to put on events and to do things that would prepare us to be able to host people here. Some of my friends on the back row followed me and tried to keep up and make me do, get things organized. And we learned how to make lists, go figure. We, we learned how to advertise. We learned how to not advertise. We learned how to leverage and not leverage. We did all those things. We were faithful to the calling on, on our life. And people were changed at that event. Lives were saved. People became followers of Jesus and born-again believers. People were impacted. We worshipped on the field, but beyond that, God was building something in the foundation. So as we were going bigger, we were also going smaller. We were, we were, honey, I shrunk the church. It's true. And one of the big challenges that we hear is out there is that people will say, and this is not, st- stats don't back this up. People's Perception is what is driving this. And, and we have to be really careful who we allow to influence us. You allow social media influencers to influence your spirituality, you will deconstruct. Because they've got a louder voice than those who are saying, get over your church hurt. It's true. And so one of the things that's out there in culture says that big churches are impersonal. Smaller churches are more personal. Personal. But by the numbers, the efficacy of larger churches when it pertains to actual discipleship and spiritual growth in the small context outnumbers what the small churches are doing. That's statistically. But that doesn't mean you just gather on Sundays, cheer, shout, clap after every song, and have a free coffee, and that does it for you. Those successful movements, I'll I'll pick on one for example, Pastor Chris Hodges with Church of the Highlands, when I last heard the statistic, had about 34,000 people in their network of churches. 30,000 were in small groups. So now, here's the thing that makes it special. If you come to a church that has 50 people in it and five small groups, you have five options, five body parts, five giftings, five anointings. But what if you're number six? you got to find somewhere with six groups because hopefully that sixth one or you will start one or, or, or I'm saying this breaks down the logic on my argument here kind of breaks down. But for the purpose of illustrating, I want to say, I believe we can grow larger, bigger and smaller at the same time. We can have those great corporate moments of worship and intimate times of discipleship in the same place. And I believe, and this is just my prayer and I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I hope I scare somebody in here that is my prayer. That as a church, we would gather 1% of our catchment every week. It will mean multiple services, but aren't you glad we did 10 years of alive inside to learn how to plan things? It'll, it'll mean multiple teams, but aren't you glad we have a great dream team and a growth track and an, and a way to get involved. It'll mean multiple small groups and discipleship teams and groups. But aren't you glad right here, sitting here? It's like 30 potential groups right here. Everyone a leader. See what I'm saying is God's called us to grow bigger and smaller at the same time because he's doing something right now in this time. Last week during the service, Wes Jonat sent me a message and he said, make sure your tent is large enough because he could feel it in the spirit that we're Something stretching us out to grow. And this was the word. And then I'll read the scripture. Make sure your tent is large enough and strong enough also. God is moving. We are moving forward. Expanding the boundaries. It's a prophetic word over our church. Push against them. Push against what? The boundaries. Who's with me today? As a church, we could push against some boundaries this season. And move the boundaries outward. And here's the word from... Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. I'm going to do like Brother Manny Arango did. I'm going to leave some things out. You read it with me, all right? Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your do not spare. Lengthen your and strengthen your for you I made you do it. For you expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. Come on, does that sound like a word for 2023-24? That sounds like something right now that God's leading. And so we say, Lord, how are we going to do that? I believe that this, the cords and the stakes, those, 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 those holding things are our small groups and our teams. Our teams hold the tent up. And I'm going to get to a minute about the difference between them. But I want to just encourage you. This could be the year where you make a better connection. This is the year where the friends at church become family at church. Did you know that there is an equation? Trust and time kind of balance each other out. I I really believe that. How many of you ever messed up with your parents and it took a little time to get the trust back? Because there's an equation, right? But, but you're not going to connect the way you need to if you're sporadic in attendance on the large meeting. See, the early church practiced large group worship and small group fellowship as their strategy and their structure. And let me tell you something, church, it still works today. People say the church was a small group. Listen, the day of Pentecost, 120 people baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, flow out on the street, They heard the magnifying God in their own language. What should we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Okay, we're cut to the heart, and you're to blame. That's what the Bible says. And reading from the New King James Bible. (laughs) And they're baptized. And that day, many, 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 many people were added. And over that next season, thousands were added. Now, I can get 13 of you in my house, but I can't get 1,300 in my house. So as their daily custom was, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 42, this is after they were cut to the heart, after they were baptized, now they started to be a church, and the church was born. Everybody say, the church was born. Okay, They were born again, the church was born. Here we go. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we did today. And to prayer. That's not an option. When you pray. Not if you pray. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous wonders and signs. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything. They sold their property and their possessions. And they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together. Ready? for Verse 46. At the temple each day. Those outer courts could hold thousands. This was the big room. This was the ballroom. This was the gathering place. And there was public preaching and declaration taking place at that place. So if I go there on the day, and I'm not a Christian, but I'm walking by, I'm going to see somebody who has made Jesus Messiah and hear them speaking about it. And I'm attracted to the message, just like some of you in this room today are making a decision to be a follower of Jesus. They made that decision to follow Christ and then afterwards they would go home to have soup. I made that up. (laughs) They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great generosity. All this while praising and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And you have to understand that before the diaspora there was a massive building of the church until it was at like what do they call that? Where it gets to the place where it's going to blow, you know, critical, yeah, critical mass. And then the Lord goes, now we send you up. And and the apostles had to get going, and the church had to get mobile, and we had to get into different places. But until that, there was a large gathering of people who would gather daily, large and daily small. See, we have this idea that the, that the Bible talks about doesn't talk about. Um, Church like we know it there's so many things in our life and experience at church that are cultural now that we use to do what the essence of what scripture was doing See theology matters. You should never tamper with it But methodology is always open for change And most of the arguments from the church you left were around methodology Most of the arguments you've heard from cranky Christians was about methods It's true. The drums are too loud method, not a theology. Somebody asked us why we moved the drums to the front of the stage one time. I said, because we can. (laughs) We've had people email us and say, we would come to your church except the music's too loud. We were like, "We, we got you earplugs. Come on over. We don't think we should have to wear earplugs. Great. There's lots of churches that don't offer earplugs. P.S. Buy a more expensive blow dryer because you were just wailing your ears and hearing with that loud cheap one you're using before you came to church and complained about the sound. Anyway, um, but there's lots of things in their method. But here's the thing. They went temple courts. I want you to say this with me. Come and see. House to house. Go, Go and tell. Second thing I want you to know today is that of all the things God called Good, how many said he looked at it and he said it was good? Genesis 1, 2, 8, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says that of all the things God called good, loneliness was not one of them. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper and a companion. You're not supposed to do your Christian walk alone. Cause yeah, you might be a man or a woman in the natural, but in the spirit, how many know we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we were not intended to do our spiritual life alone. And, and by the way, if the devil can keep you solitary, he can keep you stationary, which means you say, I don't feel like I'm moving forward in my life. It's because you're not only are you surrounded by the wrong people, you may not have people in your life at all. See, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You become the sum total of the five closest friends you keep. And so here's the problem. You have to decide what you want to grow in. We say this to moms all the time in our church. Young moms, you don't need another mom your age and stage. You need a mom who made it through and she's still alive to talk about it. (laughs) Have a friend to cry with on the phone? Great. You need a mom that says, get up and do something. Guys, you don't need some guy to talk about how much you feel like your wife doesn't understand you and doesn't know how, and and, 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 and you feel like. You need a man in your life that's going to tell you to be a man. Stop whining. Work harder. Move forward. Stop complaining. Solitary is not sexy. Bring your family to church. Men. You know that when men lead the house to church, their kids are like 90% more likely to follow Christ? When women do it, it's like 35 or 40% something. It's really low. I don't know the number off my head, but I do know it's that much of a split. The women are like, what are we, chopped liver? No. You're literally the life support for the spiritual life of your kids. Come on now. I'm getting a little loose here. All right. Psalm 68 says that he puts the lonely in families, our families, where Michaela's going to Bible college at Pastor Jacob and Becca Mullen's church, home church in Red Deer. They have a saying for their church. Everyone needs Jesus and everyone needs a home. How many think that fits here too? Everyone needs Jesus and everyone needs a home. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. The end. And some of you have been telling me how the devil's been beating up on you. The devil's opposing me. I can't break through. I said, sometimes it's pride. Because God says he resists the proud. There's been more times in my life where i tried to blame something on the devil and I realized I was just proud. Yeah, come on. Hey, Amen. I have no idea how many times I've blame something on a spiritual thing that was really just a habit that I developed. They tell you in public speaking not to acknowledge those things. <laughs> level up, Brandon. Level up. Level up. Manny Arango. I'm, and by the way, I just want to let you know that I we have um we just ordered in 12 uh, copies of Pastor Mel's book, Experience Jesus and His Church. It's it's a month's worth of devotional readings. It's really an ecclesiology textbook, in my opinion. It's a practical approach to the life of a life-giving church. And if you have not read it, you need to pick up a copy in the fireside room today. Fantastic book. We did it with our leadership cohort. How many of you did the Experience Jesus and His Church book with us as a team? Let's see your hands. So you just ask one of these people their hand up. say, is it worth my money? And they're going to say it's worth twice that much. And, uh, But the concept is we have to realize that the church is a a mechanism that we have to have in the community that fires. It's a collective of collectives, but it's also one. And so I want to say today that we're going to do everything we can to redouble our efforts, to take away any barriers to entry into this body we're gonna make it so that when people come here they feel like they know exactly what their next step is and how to get plugged in and committed to this church they shouldn't have to t- you shouldn't have to spend six weeks asking around to find out where to get plugged in we need to have a big spiritual front door in this church and we do it's called our culture classes Manny Arango is one of the books I'm bringing in is called brainwashed and how we need to have our brains washed from the culture and come back to the mind that God put in the original creation And be set free i've got lots of books coming pastors book club are we get ready where are my book people at in here come on i've got another book coming called killer church we're going to be talking about that and and and, so get ready save some of your save some of your pennies but manny arango who spoke at team church which by the way we want to we'll try to put the link out in our next newsletter uh which was supposed to be done this week but The YouTube channel for Team Church, for those of you who missed Team Church Conference this year, they've put all of the sessions up on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel. You can go through and hear what we heard, experience we heard. But Manny Arangu said, uh, Jesus saved me, but the church raised me. It was a powerful message. And I want to just say this, that what God does in your life is intended to go home with you. Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, which is simpler? I said, forgive your sins or get up and start walking. Your sins are forgiven or walk? Well, just so it's clear that I am the son of man and authorized to do either or both, he now spoke directly to the paraplegic. Get up, take your bedroll and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he got up and he took his blanket and left for home. Listen, the hope of Jesus and the work he's doing in our lives is intended to go home with us. We've got to walk with God and walk with people. Thirdly, I want to talk about today the fact that becoming a disciple is not only about what you need to know, But it's about who you need to be with. If you think that your discipleship road is 90% education and 10% relationship, you've got the numbers wrong. Because you will learn more from a person who has applied the scripture to their life and how they do life their way. Jesus said, Follow me, my yoke is easy. How many have heard that? Rabbis would have a set of teachings dress code policies extra biblical beliefs and traditions and they were called in a yoke and jesus said hey you fishermen who flunked out of rabbi school because that's what he did because all the boys got tested to see if they could go and be a rabbi to be priests and leaders and to go to study the torah and to do all the things but it's like he got his B's and his D's mixed up and now Peter's on the boat. And Jesus says, can I use your boat? How many of you have ever met, seen those pictures about rock bands that get going and the one guy's in the band because he was the only one with a van? That's like Peter. Hey, dude, nice boat. Follow me. What I love about the story and the, and the evolution of Peter is the fact that he starts off in the, in the gang, in the band, kind of limps his way in. He didn't have any kind of, like, level. He, he, he didn't have anything to show for other than he was a good fisherman. But Jesus says, follow me. But by the end, he goes, everyone's expecting me to build the church on a theologian. Psst. FYI. I plan to build the church on a fisherman. And then he says, uses terms like, follow me, everybody. Follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The church was never intended to be a theological institution. The church was always intended to be a fishing company. The proximity principle says that we become like our friends. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You may not be rebellious right now toward God, but if you're spending too much time with people who are rebellious against God, they will drag you down. You may not be bashing the church. But if you spend a little too much time with people who bash the church, you will eventually have a discolored picture of the church in your life. But if you get around people who love Jesus, who love Jesus, who are optimistic, who have faith, who have hope for a better day tomorrow you will start to see the soot come off that beautiful painting of your life that God's called you to live. And it'll start to shine again the way the Creator intended. Somebody said, I need the Holy Spirit to touch my life. No, you need new friends. Then the Holy Spirit can touch your life. Listen to me. You don't get to design it. Let the one who designed you define you. Let the one who designed the church define the church. Let the one who designed marriage define marriage. Let the one who designed the home define the home. This is the essential truth we need to know today. He is God and we are not. So we need to stop creating a God in the image of us, but instead be understanding that we are made in the image of a holy God. This is the breakthrough you've been waiting for. It comes at the other end of laying down your pride, your agenda, and your freaking rebellion. If you can tell me at the end of a service that was an effing good message and not bleep it out. Which, welcome to Oasis City, I do get that from time to time. Bless you, pastor, that was a bleepin' good message. And they don't bleep it. They don't have a time delay. They got nothing, and I don't care. I don't care, and I'm telling you why I don't care, because Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't want perverse things coming out of your mouth, coarse language, all those things. But you don't get cleaned up to go through the shower. Like, maybe if we would spend less time on behavioral modification when people make a decision for Christ, and more time on connecting them into the body and letting the discipleship process take its place, then all of a sudden they'll realize, Brandon doesn't use the F word, so I don't use the F word. Why? Because discipleship's more than just what you know. It's about who you're with. And that's why we need small groups. One study from the Harvard Health Publishing article, and I've heard it quoted many times, so I decided to go looking again. They examined the data from 309,000 people and found that the lack of strong relationships increased the risk of premature death from all causes by 50% an effect on mortality risk roughly comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Greater obesity and physical inactivity are all linked to the lack of a good relationship. See, when God designed us and said, it's not good that you should be alone, he wasn't saying, <clears throat> a suggestion, but it's up to you. He was basically saying, if you don't have relationship, you're going to die. Can I tell you right now, you will not last in this church unless you make some friends and family in this church. You will be here for six months, feel something, and then leave. But the people that have been in this house, can I hear my people have been here for two decades? Come on, people have been here for 10 years, people have been here for 15 years. You have invested not just your time, but your talent, your treasure, and your heart You see, when God says he puts the solitary in families, guess which family he wants to put the solitary into? Our families. Not the church on Sunday mornings. Your house on Tuesday nights. There is a desire and a need right now. We've got a whole generation of students who don't know how to mail a letter. Not students, adults who are having babies who don't know how to mail a letter. They need a home group. With an older person in it who can teach them how to put a stamp on the right side of the letter, somebody waved. I can do that. I got a mailing letters home group starting today. It's going to be good. They don't know how to do their taxes. They don't know how to change a tire. They don't. Here's a big one. You know, there's a whole generation in our church right now and in this community that doesn't know who to trust or what to trust when it goes to getting their cars fixed. They need a man or a woman in their life that can help them make good decisions. They don't know who to talk to about the trades. They don't know who to talk to about getting a career. They don't have people. Because the culture has said, you're a good person if you cut everybody else and make yourself the center of your world. And Jesus said, I brought you into this body to make yourself the last and make the group first. I put solitary into families. And families are not, like I said to my kids when it's like time to clean up, this is not a hotel. This is a home. And when this church stops being a hotel and becomes your home, it is going to grow. And I'll I'll tell you right now, how many believe that 1% of our 700 people is not that hard to dream for here? Is anybody with me? Can I see your hands if you think we could go there? Look around. There's been times I've done that and people kind of like barfed in their mouth and thought that's going to be a lot of work. This time, everybody's raising their hands and said, let's go, pastor. Let's go. Mental health and soul can... Actually, I, I really believe that the Bible speaks to this, this depletion of the soul because of inact, in, in, ineffective relationships. I'm going to flip it. Third John talks about the opposite. So if stress and anxiety and depression can affect our physical health. The inverse must be also true. Third John 1.2 says, Beloved friend, I pray that you would prosper in every way. Prospering, that you're prospering in every way and that you're continually enjoying good health just as your soul prospers. That person that's being written to there that says, I anticipate you are prospering is hearing from Pastor John. In relationship with the church. Soul prospering. And that is contagious. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever gone around a negative person and found out you became negative? Right? And if there's ever been a, a culture where we've got to really guard our hearts, it's now. Where we feel like it's like part of our cultural DNA to be offended all the time? (laughs) The apostle said, who told you you could be offended? Who who gave you that right? Offended people offend people, hurt people, hurt people. You hurt all these people, but heal people, heal people. Whole people make people whole. What was that word I said yesterday? Out, uh, outrage addiction. The dopamine hit that your kids are like, you silly kids are all, all millennials are on video games and Gen Zs and they all are addicted to their tablets and their video games. I'm outraged. Well, that outrage burst you had is called outrage addiction. And it actually hits the same dopamine centers that your kids getting from Smash Bros. And it's a they're actually calling it outrage addiction now. And, and I... I don't have a problem with video games, but I have a problem when I get around my buddies who are all talking about everything that makes them mad about the world. And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I'll one-up that. I'm mad now too. Right? Who told us we could be offended? How many feel like we might shift the atmosphere of our homes if we start to just be about what God is doing in his church? And here's the thing about anxiety. Anxiety is painting a picture where you lose... Where it fails. How many are thankful for your anxiety gift? Come on. Where, where you don't have enough. Where it's not going to work out. But faith. Writes a story where God wins. We get through it. We overcome. <laughs> we succeed. Come on. We break through. We've got a good friend. We've got a good church. Our kids are going to be okay. See, the reason you have anxiety is because you're creative. It's just misplaced faith. So here's the good news. If you know how to be anxious, then I'm just teaching you level one, how to have faith. Just flip it on its head and go the other way. Now I got faith. God's going to win. What was that boom and that banging noise downstairs? Somebody's dropping money off on my front steps. (laughs) My wife left the bathroom scale on the floor in the middle of the bathroom again for me. Anxiety would say, oh no, I'm not stepping on that thing. Faith said she must have seen something I didn't. See, it's good to have close people in our lives. And, and here's the other thing. I really believe that in order for small groups to really take off, some of you already have it going on. You just need to stop gathering to talk about the news and start gathering to talk about Jesus. Stop gathering to talk about the news. Take the sermon notes. I'm going to challenge you today to make some, t- take some steps forward. We've gone a little longer than I wanted to. But I want to make some challenges. First of all, you need to have people in your life that are not like you. Psalm, Proverbs 27:17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so as one person sharpens another." Well, guess what? You need something to knock that part of you out, right? Relationships with other people it's where we find freedom. James chapter 5, 16 takes place. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What says this is we go to God for forgiveness and we go to his church for healing. There's, there's people in here that are going to help you get past that thing that you've been carrying for way too long. There's people in here that have a testimony that's going to break you free. There's people in here that have experienced exactly what you're going through and they've come out the other side and they don't have a story of anxiety for you. They have a story of faith. They have a story where God wins. Come on now. We don't want to just survive. We want to we want to thrive. We want to go over the top. Here we go. And and if we're going to strengthen our faith, we and and, and avoid the trap of unbelief, we need to get around Christians who will exhort. That is what exhort means is to seriously encourage us. Hebrews three thirteen says, while it's still day, you need to you know as long as it's day, encourage each other daily. That none of you may be hardened. This is why you encourage each other daily. That none of you may be hardened by sins committed no deceitfulness it's a trick and your friends meant to encourage you to make sure you don't fall into that trap that leg hold trap that just keeps you in bondage but doesn't kill you see we want to grow strong relationships sharing together how was your week Studying together God's word. We're going to challenge you to do the sermon note groups. We have a couple of our healthiest groups are in this room right now. Wayne and Diane's group and mom and dad's group. Where they have a group of people. It's not like a come as you are thing. They've built a relationship. And now that some people are going through struggles, they've got a group around them. It's special. We were just talking about this before. You need to be known so that when you're going through it, there's a group of people that will help you move. There's a group of people that will help you can your tomatoes. There's a group of people that'll help you put a stamp and address on the right part of the envelope, students. Come on. You need those people in your life. And so they have a great group, and all they do, they get together, they laugh a lot. There's a Zoom group for open people can come to that. And then they'll take the sermon notes, which I toil over every week, most weeks. And if I don't get them, they make a plan. And they say basically a question of what did you learn, what was new, or what confused you. And we're going to create a rubric for all of our groups um, that we're going to actually, if you could put that slide up on Thursday, we have a sign up for you on the website on the calendar. So I put those slides at the bottom of my sermon there. And one says that there's a an info meeting. Do we have that one? Can you throw that up? And what we're going to do is we're going to give you four questions. We're going to give you four questions. And the first one might be like, what did you learn? What was new? What stood out? What what confused you? Then there'll be something else like, what is the Greek preposition? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but the concept is that we'll give you some questions, but the, the goal isn't to plow through all four questions. The best groups are just going to get on one and then spend some time there and then move on. But what we feel is in this season, we can do things from here. What would happen for the people if they missed today, but they had a good group to go discuss this with and get brought up to speed? All of a sudden, you're moving this. Listen, I want to tell you right now. God speaks to Pastor Lindsay and I, the vision for this house. But the speed of the vision is determined by the giving and those who carry the vision. You can dictate the speed. I really thought I did a nice slide. Do we have the alpha one at the end? They're all in the end of my sermon slides. They'll say info night. Anyway, that's the last time I'll ask for them. And then if they're not there, that's fine. It's on me. Um, if you know your why, you'll know your what and your how. So here's the thing about vision and division. And I was speaking with somebody about this earlier this week and said we be- we better give our vision for small groups. Division doesn't mean you're against this vision. Division means that you're like, I hear you. Don't quite agree with you, so let me start a group and I'll do what I want to do. Division means two visions. Everybody say two visions. You can scan that or you can just go to the website and there's an online sign-up. It's just going to be your name and your email. And we're going to meet here on 7 o'clock and give you all the information you need to start a group. Because I believe there's people in here. I'm going to call you to action to start a group. You can meet every couple weeks. You can meet every week. We'd love that. We think that's great. We will resource you with sermon notes. But we want to give you some skills. Um, But two visions. Everybody say two visions. And this is the issue. We have to have one vision if we're going to accomplish the mission. We can't have a bunch of different visions. So that essentially, you could be playing checkers in the home group making it a gathering around checkers in the word or you could be doing Bible study and going a little deeper you could be doing there's all these reasons to get together but what I will say is this that Pastor Lindsay and I should be able to drop into your group at any time and it feels like we're moving the mission forward we're not we're not doing our own thing how many think that's important that w- that way we can coach and train and build up our church in the way it should go right my family does not have four options for dinner it has one option for dinner we got four kids well five now but we don't get five options we get four options why not we get one option Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Groups rally around each other. We're supposed to have more fun. We can stop going outside the church for all of our fun and inside the church just to endure another Sunday morning. How many but are thankful that this church is not a endured, it's enjoyed? Come on, we don't just come here to get through it. We come here to enjoy. Ministry together is fun. Serving on teams is fun. If it's not fun, make it fun. Stop complaining. Said if you don't find anybody like it, there's no one like me at our church. God brought you to find more people like you. You're the answer to the prayer you're making right now. Come on. So here's the call to action. This is the first one. We want you to consider having a group. Now, you already meet some of you. Some of you meet every week at the same time because you're such creatures of habit. You sit in the same zone every single Sunday. You could look left and right, and you're already making eyes at each other going, I get it. What are you saying? Some of you already meet weekly or biweekly for some dinner. We're asking you to turn that into a small group because we can see the Lord move our church forward if we just give a little time to what he's speaking over the house each week. So the first thing is we want to have you consider doing that. And even if you're not sure about whether you qualify or whether you have enough, we want you to find two or three people to start a group with. Okay? We want you to come on Thursday night to find out more about what it means to have a group. And my prayer today was that I would give a whole Sunday to this topic in hopes that we could have go from two, two and a half, really healthy, long-standing groups to go into four. I'm looking for 100% multiplication, 100% growth this year, year over year, and uh, I believe we can do that. Secondly, we want you to look at if you're, if you're new or if you are so old you don't remember what it means to be a part of this church. Culture class starts next week, and... It's after church, and the only normally it's the first Sunday is culture class. And by the way, next week, or next October, the first Sunday in October is community, and first Sunday, Soup Sunday. The competition is back to see who's the best soup maker in the church. We get to be the judges and eat pounds and pounds of soup. It's so good. The whole back wall, for those who are new, is... And this isn't like... This is like blow-your-mind soup. So let's keep going with those slides. Get ahead of me here a little bit. I'm going to talk about Alpha Freedom Group's culture class. And the culture class... We want you to go on the website, click on the link. You can go to the calendar. Everything's on the calendar. But join us next week after service if you want to. If you haven't done step one of the culture class. We think it's important you know who you belong to and what our vision is moving forward. And that's a three-week program. You don't have to take them in order, but we will be offering them all the way till Christmas now uh, every month. Okay? So go on the app, join a group be a part of a group. I want to talk about a couple options. First of all, there's easy on ramps to being a part of something here at Oasis. You might not be in their group because it's a pretty awesome group and it doesn't have a lot. It's not a public thing. They, they add people as the Lord leads them to add people to their group. But there are groups that everyone can join and I want to highlight those. Starting on the 10th of September, we have Alpha starting on the 10th of September. How many of you were part of our Alpha group last year? Last last round. Come on. How many appreciated that night? That was great. Maybe you just went through Alpha and you're like, I don't think I could be a host. Yes, you can. Do you remember how it said you don't actually have to answer the questions? In fact, we have to tell the theologians to be quiet and not answer the questions at Alpha and let Alpha do the work. But if you want to be a part of Alpha and helping, and maybe you've got friends in the community, that's a great way to bring friends to a group. But that's a group because we meet large in there. And we're around tables, and we kind of stick to our table groups every week, and we have a table group. The other one's freedom. Freedom is a great companion to Alpha. It's all about living from tree of life. And I just want to be very clear. It is my prayer that every single member of our church would go through freedom. Because it gives us a common language, and it prevents us from getting into legalism. And it allows us to live from the tree of life. Realizing that what I do is not who I am. Freedom was pretty good, wasn't it? I was gonna get I was gonna get you to talk. <laughs> I want you to come share about freedom just quickly. give me a two minute freedom blurb. get people to come and tell them why they need to come, Ramy. oh Lord oh, praise God, like well, I grew up Jehovah's witness, and so everything was just like very much legalistic and and you earn everything and then you're righteous by your works and everything that freedom taught me like the first day that we started doing it i was like this is so good we need this and and i just i think i i said like a whole testimony but it's like it really is freedom in christ jesus it is not about you know trying to be uh the appearance of godliness it is walking putting on the Lord Jesus Christ from the heart, loving, and and then the works flow. It's, it is. So, God is good. Come on, give her a hand, everybody. Another way is by going to culture class you can get on the dream team. And today we had Cecil on the parking team for the first time. So way to go, Cecil. But it's a way to connect. It's a way to connect in to the body. And so what my prayer is that every one of our dream teams, our fireside group room, our our hosting teams, get to know people's names and their birth dates and find out what their favorite coffee is and all the things and then become a family there. It's an on-ramp. You can have a group. It might just look like parking team at first. It might look like Alpha. It might look like... Freedom, where we break out, guys and girls are separated in there. We guys sit with guys, girls with girls. We have a teaching time, and then we break out into discussions. And every week, that table gathers. And after 12 weeks of sitting together and sharing your heart, you become close. And out of those groups, we want to see you do healthy home groups, small groups. So we want three households to start a group. So ask around, find out what's going on. Reach some people. Look behind you. Oh, there we go. And on Sun, on Wednesdays, loving your kid on purpose. It's Tree of Life parenting. It's a Danny Silk program that we that he his daughter and he have worked on. It's, it's a lot of what we're speaking about here. And like any parenting process, you have to be able to apply it and understand the language in your context. But there's so much good in this that we decided we we're going to roll forward with it. Um, and so that's on Wednesdays. And there's childcare provided for that, moms, if you're going now, we do know that there's very many hardworking moms in this church. And we would like to offer this potentially in the future to parents, to husbands and wives to do this course. And we're gaining access to the curriculum. But this is Wednesdays for women on, and Wednesday mornings, sorry, Wednesday mornings. And can I just say this? If you're a grandma, you need some tools. Cause it's 2023. And you don't even know how to not get hacked on your phone. World's changing fast. I know I'm being a little harsh there, but we need to get some skills. So, and by the way, if you were a terrible mom or a terrible grandma or whatever, but you're here today, you can also come and learn how to be a kind mom and become a church mom. This is the good news of the gospel is that even if you've lost relationship with your children, it's not too late to raise up some new children over time, build relationship porn into somebody else. Your years are not over. God can give you tools. That's good news, isn't it? Okay. Next onboarding would be small groups, open groups. There'd be like, there's a Zoom group. You can join online. They have great discussion and it's, there's people from all over that gather and Wayne and Diane's group. That's an example of one. Um, Symbus is one. There's different things. And then there's gathered groups and some of those are open and some are closed. Some people here are going to go, you know what? I love people. I want to have 20 in my house for a dinner party every week. Great. We'll discuss the scriptures. Other you are going to be like, hey, there's four families. We get together once a month. We're going to do it every week for 12 weeks or for 10 weeks. And um, we just want to let you know we're in a home group and we're doing it, Pastor, so that you can help us to move forward. That's what I want to do. See you change your conversation. That's all you have to do. Set a date, change your conversation to the scriptures for a while. And then get back to your conversation about football. Okay. So what happens in re- relationships, and, and I just want to also finish with this. Your next step is this. If you have not become a Christian, and I'm using that language, following Jesus is not, oh yeah, September 7th is not September 7th, it's actually September 11th. We're going to see those twin towers of pride come down in marriage class. There we go. Too soon. Anyway, um, salvation is your next step, becoming a Christ follower. Do you remember when you were born again? And what I'm inviting you to here is not to add Jesus to your life. It's to be born again. Fresh start. So I have a question for you today. Does what you believe about God give you peace with your past? Does it give you power in your present? Does it prepare you for your passing? See, Jesus answers every one of these questions with check, check, check. And he's offering you a restart today. He's offering you a restart. He doesn't want to just give you peace with your past. He wants you to get over your past. He's offering you a restart. He doesn't want you to just, just a minute. Let me do it. Let me do the preaching. He doesn't want to just give you peace with your past. He wants to get over your past. He doesn't want to just give you power in your present. He wants to help you embrace a powerful present. He doesn't want to just prepare you for your passing. He wants to reveal his plan for a powerful future. This world is just passing by, but we're going to spend eternity ruling and reigning with Christ. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in this place today and you have yet to become truly, give it all to Jesus and be a born again follower of Christ. I want to pray with you today. Let me see your hand if that's you. I see it. Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? Pray with me, church, and with these who are praying. Pray this prayer with me if that's you. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, and I ask you to forgive me. Wash my sins. Wash my heart. Purify my mind. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and rising again. Be king of my life from this day forward. And help me to step into a powerful future. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you made that dedication today in your for the first time or if you rededicated your life to the Lord, you had a fresh start today, I want you to take a minute, fill a card out, let us know. And if you're here and you want to have prayer today for something, we've got some prayer team that will be standing right there. And uh, other than that, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Bless you, everybody, as you go. Bless you as you go.